0: Welcome to The STEM Yard, a podcast of the North Carolina Science Olympiad. I'm your host, Alonzo Alexander. And today, I'm chatting with Renee Sterned, event leader for the Science Olympiad Forestry event. Renee is also the state coordinator for Project Learning Tree and an environmental educator at NC State University. Renee, welcome to The STEM Yard.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you all today.
0: We're really excited to talk to you too. And so we always like to start off by asking Tell us how you got connected to Science Olympiad.
1: Um, Well, I work in Extension, uh, and that means I have responsibility to the entire state of doing forestry education for K-12 youth and uh, educators. So when Science Olympiad came around as the forestry event, probably the first time, I think it was like in 2004, 2005, I did a lot of work with Manly Midget, who is very well-known. <laughs>
0: Friend of the podcast, Manly Midget. Yes.
1: And he basically roped me in, as Manly Midget does with many educators, and he <laughs> said, you should totally get involved with this. So I think we did it for three or four years that first time. It came back again as an event in North Carolina, so did it again for three or four years maybe five or six years. And then it came back again in 2023. And so Manley came to us again and said, are you all ready to do forestry again? And we said, sure, sign us up. So this is how we got involved.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Okay. So you've talked a little bit about forestry, but tell us a little more about the event itself.
1: So the forestry event is really looking at important tree species that we have here in north carolina Mm. so we really in north carolina focus on what i would call like our most common trees in our forestry event so the participants need to be able to identify those trees and then know interesting information about those trees Mm. and that could be anything from their leaf shape or different characteristics that the trees have all the way to maybe their economic importance in North Carolina. Forestry is a really big um, economic driver in North Carolina. So our tree species are important um, in our uh, environmental systems and in our economic systems. Uh, And also we have a lot of history about forestry in North Carolina as well. So we tie in some of those historical events uh, in our questions in the forestry event as well. It is a station event. And so the first part of the activity, they're actually looking at uh, being able to identify that tree specimen that's in front of them. Mm. And then the second part is a supporting question uh, for that. So it's a station event and uh Teams of two uh, people go around and work on it together, and we really hope that it helps them be able to learn and identify trees that they might even see around their school, around their home, in their neighborhood, as well as kind of just get to know a little bit about forestry and the importance of trees in North Carolina. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned that it's a stationed event. What, What does that mean? And for our students listening, how do you prepare for a stationed event?
1: Sure. So for our regional events that are all coming up, uh, starting, I think, this coming weekend, all right. um, there are 20 stations. And so there's uh, 20 different questions that have a part A and a part B. So the first part mm. is, is identifying the tree specimen. And then the part B is actually looking at that, aden- that ad- additional question that um, could be any numerous things that we mentioned. So check out the rules. It has all in the rules. Um, and so they have a time limit. So they have about a minute and a half where they're going to be able to just work on that one station and then they will be told to go to the next station where they will do the same thing again. Mm. Um, so they, they are time stations. They're working with their, uh, partner to try to identify that tree and then look at that second part, um, of that question and answer that as well. Yeah. And
0: so each one of those things that's timed, like that's the only time
1: you have to work on it, right? That's the only time that you have to work on it. And we do focus also on using the scientific names of the trees Mm. um, versus the common names. Because common names, I I was just recently talking with a teacher and she kept talking about all of these pin oak trees that were in their schoolyards. And I'm looking around, I'm like there's no pin oaks, what I would call a pin oak, um, in, in their in their schoolyard. And she was like, no, these. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a willow oak. It's not mm. a pin oak. Um, but, you know, again, common names are names that we attribute to different species for different characteristics. Uh, so it would be very hard to be able to um, judge the student's work if we use common names. So we do use scientific names, which is Latin. Right. Uh, it is on the tree species list. So the genus and the species um, is what we're actually looking at. So um, they will be writing that down um, specifically on their score sheets. And, yes, they only have – they don't get to go back to any of the stations. It's a one-shot deal.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. So it sounds like an event that is really built for people who are great with details but who really enjoy maybe being outside, right?
1: I think that's it, but I think it's also a really good event for um, students that like to uh, think about the way different things are connected and how they're different from each other. Mm. Uh, So one of the things that we always encourage people to do when they're creating their resources and and studying for the forestry event is take a look at all the different species and starting to look at some key characteristics um, of these tree species and basically making your own dichotomous key. Hey, dichotomous keys. that's right. So those (laughs) that are really familiar with a lot of, especially biological sciences, We'll know that we use dichotomous keys a lot to really look at identifying different um, characteristics about species. So basically, you have two things in front of you, and it's either it has it or it doesn't, and then you kind of move down mm-hmm. the key a little bit. And that's really the key of the, <laughs> of, Pun intended, yeah, right? of the forestry event is really being able to figure out what those identifying characteristics are and kind of creating your own key. So I think even if students don't like being outside, if they don't like um, nature, (laughs) they don't (laughs) like trees, um, but if they they like that process of really digging in to um, those different characteristics and building out their own dichotomous key, this is a really good event for them.
0: All right. Now, You talked about resources. You mentioned dichotomous keys. Students have a binder, right?
1: Right. Okay.
0: So they've got this binder they can use to help them in the competition. What makes a good binder?
1: So what makes a good binder is really um, the students putting it together themselves. Mm. I have definitely, um, in my many years of doing Science Olympiad, I have seen students working with a tool that they did not put together. Uh, And you can tell because they don't know where anything is in there. (laughs) So I definitely encourage uh, the students to create their own binder and work with their partner and really think about, like, what's the easiest way? Like, how do we look at this? You know, we have field guides that are put together um, by different families um, of trees. But maybe we want to go more by, like, the ones that we really know that we can easily identify. Maybe we put those at the back, because we know that those are in the back. We can easily identify those. Maybe we want to put the harder ones up front. Um, Maybe they want to really look at more the oak species and that put everything together, like all the different oak species or all the different uh, pine species together.
0: Mm. So
1: I think it's a really good opportunity for the team um, mates to have that conversation. What's the best way for us to be able to you know, put together our binder. Um, I think basing it off of a dichotomous key is good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think having um, a lot of good pictures uh, and – I actually personally prefer drawings versus photography because uh, a picture of a leaf is just that one sample. And leaves look really different on a tree depending on if they're in the shade, um, the health of the tree, uh, all of these type of things. Whereas an illustration of a leaf is going to be more those general characteristics that you're going to look for. Um, so having that in there and then any type of information. So again, we really focus in North Carolina on North Carolina specific trees. So thinking about, um, what does the bark of that tree look like? What do yeah. the flowers look like? What do the seeds and fruit look like? Does it have any good wildlife uses? Um, does it, uh, only grow in one part of the state? Is that might be another piece to really think about. Um, what are those economic issues, uh, or Economic importance of that tree. Um, I'm trying to think of what other types of things that we have on there, uh, like historical uses. Um, mm. That's another good thing to think about um, with our tree species. Uh, and if there's anything like like, just kind of cool, interesting facts that you find, those yeah. might also be good things to have in there because we um, like to pull in some of that. those interesting um, often underrepresented information about trees a little bit yeah. um, also wood samples what like does there are there any specific characteristics of the wood mm. um, that might be an interesting piece to tie into so those are some of the things that i would include in on that page for that tree species
0: yeah which leads me to ask the question right let's say you were competing in the event, right? You're putting together Renee's binder for forestry. My binder for forestry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to be your go to resource? Where's the place where you start?
1: Where do I start? Well, I would definitely start with the North Carolina tree list. There you go. Um, That is where I would start because the the National Science Olympiad Forestry Tree List has a lot of species on it. And I Mm. know a lot of people look at ours and be like, there's so many on here. But it is (laughs) very much narrowed down um, from the National Tree List. Um, So I would definitely start with the North Carolina tree list is where I would start. Um, And then um, I... Kind of do a mix. I, the the national um, guide to use is the Audubon um, Guide to Trees, um, and I actually also use a lot of the the Sibley Guide to Trees as well because it mm. has the illustrations in it. Um, and then another resource I use a lot is Forestry Images uh, mm. I think it's .com or .org. I'm not 100% sure, but Forestry Images. And it is scientists out in the field taking pictures. And it's a public uh, domain website, and there's a lot of good pictures on there as well. But again, it's that whole idea of pictures versus a drawing. So, you know, seeing um, different types of leaves on there and knowing that some of those pictures are because um, – you know, maybe there might be some type of insect infestation <laughs> oh, on, yeah. on the leaf or tree that's going to give it a different sh- uh, shape. But it's, it's a good place to go because all of those trees are entered under the scientific name, mm-hmm. where a lot of times if you do a Google search just for a common name or scientific name on Google, you'll get a lot of things that might not be necessarily correct. Um, so the forestry images is a good place to start with. Uh, so I think that's where I would start. Yeah. yeah. what What do you think about
0: I know students have mentioned using some of uh, these new like digital, um, you know, AI tools, right, that that try to recognize plants uh, based off of, you know, taking uh, photographs. What do you think about that?
1: Um, I actually use it a lot myself in the field. Uh, yeah. I'm a big iNaturalist user. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with iNaturalist and any of those that you use, those apps that you use, is you have to have a... Base layer of knowledge already, because right. very seldom is it going to give you just one answer. Yes, it's going to give you an an option. <laughs> there are a couple <laughs> different things that this could be, and a lot of that has to do also with the quality of the picture that we right. that we that we're sharing with that app. And so, having a base knowledge to be able to at least look at it and be like, "Well, I definitely know it's not that," uh, can help kind of narrow down. Um, And then also just knowing some of the basic terminology when it talks about um, like the leaf shape or how the leaf connects to the tree. You know, some of those basic vocabulary words, if you have that base knowledge, that can help you also discern um, and choose like maybe which one is the specimen that you're actually looking at. Um, But those are really cool to be able to use those like even when you're traveling internationally and seeing like oh well this is it looks like this tree at home but it's not but it's very similar and it's here in this other country and they share these characteristics yeah. so those are that's pretty cool I I like using a lot of those so <laughs> iNaturalist is my go-to but
0: I we're fans of iNaturalist here at Science House too yeah so yeah that's a good one okay so I want to zoom out for a second mm-hmm. to to talk about just why. Why is the field of forestry an important one for Science Olympiad competitors to know about?
1: So my background is actually in wildlife biology. Hmm. Um, a very weird, odd way to get into extension forestry and to environmental <laughs> education in general. But the one thing I always tell people about forestry is it's more than just cutting down trees. Hmm. Um, Forestry is the basis for, and, and healthy forests are the basis for our, all of our clean water, yeah. uh, for our clean air, for wildlife habitat, as well as things that we do in our everyday lives, like sitting at this wooden table, uh, wooden chairs, wooden bookcases, um, the paper that you know I still write on, <laughs> that you know that people read in books and things right. like that. Um, so is such an important base. Topic for so many things that re- we rely on. So, being able to have that background knowledge and are be- beginning to grow an interest in forestry, I think can really help propel people into different careers that they might not have thought about within natural resources and the environment. Because um, within forestry, we also have chemists, uh, we have you know soil scientists, all of these different things, but it's all around a basis of forestry.
0: If you could only give students one tip, they come to you and they say, "Miss Renee, I I want to master the forestry event. What what is the one thing that you would recommend to me?"
1: The one thing I would recommend is to stay calm. So it's actually two things to stay.
0: <laughs> the one thing I'd recommend <laughs> is two things. Is
1: two things. <laughs> okay. One is to stay calm. A minute and a half is a lot longer than what. You think it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then also don't just randomly flip through your resources <laughs> and try to find the picture that matches. Yeah. Uh, we see that a lot. And I think like pausing when you get to the station and looking at some of those key identifying characteristics, um, like the um, branching arrangement. Um, you know, is it alternate? Is it opposite? Is it an entire leaf? Is it a compound leaf? Is it a simple leaf? Looking at some of those key, car- just just taking a moment and observing <laughs> the species and seeing what, what do you notice about it, and then going to that resource. Because if you've done that work and setting up your your binder and your resources, then you're going to be able to easily see um, and find that species in your in your resources.
0: All right. Very good tips. Okay. So let me ask you some more general questions about your work. Uh, Where do you see sort of the future of forestry and and environmental education uh, more generally? Uh, Where's it heading? And – you know, what, what's your role going to be in in the future of it? And maybe you can talk specifically about it here at NC State.
1: Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll actually talk about those two things se- separately. So first, like forestry, um, forestry plays a huge role in I think how our country and the southeast is going to be um, helping to mitigate a changing climate. Mm. So when we're thinking about trees, they help sequester carbon, um, but they're also really important for a lot of other things, like our building materials and things like that. So I think looking at forestry, it's going to play a huge role in um, climate change and climate mitigation in the future. That also being said, most of the forests in the southeast are owned by private forest landowners, so Mm. just people like you and I, not the government – so really, helping those landowners keep their forested lands in forests um, it's not a very lucrative <laughs> lucrative outlook, um, and plus more and more of those forested lands are being put into smaller and smaller parcels, yeah so you might only own three acres of forested land versus in the past it might have been part of 50 acres and it's really hard to manage just those three acres so that's one of the things that we do in forestry extension a lot is like work with those landowners on best management practices for the forest land that they have and what they want to do with that forest so they might want to just have it be wildlife habitat they just might want to have some trails to hike in but how can we keep it the healthiest forest that we can yeah So with environmental education, I see our role as being so important Um, and just trying to provide information to citizens, whether they be K-12 youth or adults, on some of the big environmental issues that we're facing. Um, And environmental education really is just a way to gather and learn information and then letting people make their own decisions from it. So, yeah. environmental educators, we really aren't trying to advocate for one one position or another, but just really providing information <laughs> to people. Um,
0: one of my one of my old professors used to call it being an honest broker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, exactly, um, and, and and not trying to like instill fear in people, you right. know, with that, but trying to give them. The information that they need and then ways that they can take action so that they can have that hope. Yeah. And I think that hope piece is really – the information piece, yes, that's always a, an important part. But that that hope piece I think is, is really important too because I just – it seems like a lot of people are just – almost have like a doomsday yeah. <laughs> opinion of, of the environment sometimes. And, and we need to let people know, like, no, like we can we can make a change. Um, and even if it's just in your neighborhood and your community, that's still like a really good positive change. And that's what we need people to be doing and, and working towards.
0: Yeah. So uh, how specifically do you and NC State sort of support that? What, what What's the role of um, the university in that community engagement piece?
1: Yeah, wow. <laughs> There's so many pieces. And again, I'm just like one very small player. Um, but I think trying to take the research that's being done at the university and getting it out to the public. Mm. So like even just this morning, I was meeting with uh, some faculty. Um, young folks that work with the U.S. Forest Service as part of the Southeast Climate Hub, and they are wanting to do a climate education workshop with forests. So giving them the resources through Project Learning Tree and that curriculum that they can then do a professional development workshop for educators and people in the community and providing that information to them. And then these really good education resources and, you know, letting people know that, you know, there are things that we can do. There is you know, hope out there, but um, taking that research-based information and getting it to the general public. And yeah. we do that a lot with extension. We do that a lot with our uh, extension forestry-specific program as well. Um, so just pr- trying to provide the most current information that we can to people in um, the communities across the state that we work with. Yeah, um, I pull in a lot of my colleagues a lot. Um, like with the Keenan Fellows Program, we just did a prescribed fire reverse field trip um, and talking about the benefits of prescribed fire um, in communities. Um, they probably never would have done a program for teachers on prescribed fire, but helping provide that link. Um, yeah. So I think I'm kind of like that link to sometimes between the researchers and then the educators that need or want that information. Yeah. What does a day for you look like? What is a day for me? Every day is a little bit different. I will say like the past <laughs> two weeks have been totally immersed in getting the forestry effects <laughs> together. Science Olympiad. Yeah, for That's Science right. Olympiad. Um, and then it yeah it's just really different unfortunately i would say now just because uh i've been doing this for uh almost 25 years um being this the state level coordinator for a program there's a lot more time spent in the office yeah. um than what i would like mm-hmm. but i do get to go out and work a lot directly with schools um especially um you know teachers or community members that are really wanting to bring more environmental education to the school so going and taking a look at their site um, talking about what resources Project Learning tree could provide, how we could do uh, a training or professional development for all the educators there so that they could utilize the outdoor space that that they have. Um, I also you know spend a lot of time, um, Just like a lot of people answering emails and questions and making phone calls. Because, again, being that facilitator or that connector piece, I don't know everything. I don't know everyone, but I do know some people. And so a lot of times it's also just making those connections. Um, I also do a lot of work with 4-H youth as well. Mm. And so trying to get um, some state contests set up for that, um, working with 4-H youth that might have questions about, you know, Uh, project record book or something that they're working on so it's a it's a lot of talking to people which i do like it's a lot of travel which i do like as well there's a lot of conferences i go to um so it's like i think may may and june are big conference seasons and then october and november uh and i really appreciate those to be able to go and um meet other people at different conferences who may or may not be doing the same thing. But again, connecting with people and figuring out how can they help support maybe some of the work that's going on here in North Carolina.
0: Yeah. Renee Sturdad, environmental educator here at NC State. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so
1: much. Yeah. It was amazing having you in the STEM yard. It was fun. And I look forward to uh, seeing competitors at, uh, at our regionals and at our State Science Olympiad event.
0: That's right. Forestry Science Olympiad coming up
1: soon. All right. Take care, everyone.
0: The STEM Yard is a production of the Science House at North Carolina State University. Our show is produced by Valerie Bass with assistance from the North Carolina Science Olympiad. We're supported by funding from the Backyard Foundation. I'm your host, Alonzo Alexander. Catch us again in the STEM Yard, where science is our playground.